Have you thought about becoming a career coach, but not sure what it's really like? Not sure how to get started? Well, we've got you covered. Let's drop into this week's conversation of how to become a career coach. Welcome to the How to Become a Career Coach podcast, where every single episode, we bring on a new coach and showcase their story. How did they get into career coaching? What caused them to become a career coach in the first place? How did they know it was time to make the leap for those that pursued career coaching businesses and everything else in between? Today, I think we have a pretty amazing episode ahead of us, primarily because of our guest. It's someone who, over the last year, I've gotten to know well, and I am just delighted to not only know her and have that relationship, but also to call her a member of the Happen to Your Career team. And she has been coaching for about seven years now, and every step along the way has been a brand new growth opportunity. It's something that she has done incredibly well, and I just want to say welcome to the How to Become a Career Coach podcast for Jennifer Siever Stokes. How are you this morning? I'm great, Scott, and it's been a great day so far with clients, and I'm looking forward to this opportunity to chat with you. This is, every time we get to chat, it's always a ton of fun. That's why I have <laughs> been excited to continue to have you on the team, but today is no exception. And I know some of this story, but our listeners don't necessarily. So, Tell us a little bit about what you did prior to career coaching. Well, I kind of chuckled when I, you know, thought about that question. Uh, in essence, I've been career coaching for a long time. I can actually go back to like junior high. We can trace um, it way back. <laughs> yes. My real passion really starting out as early as third grade was music. I'm a, a collaborative pianist. I have a master's in piano from Indiana University School of Music, uh, Jacobs School of Music. And uh, through music, I've learned so many things about collaboration, leadership, working together, but especially about identifying talent and gifts. So that's who I have been really my whole life. So I'm curious, what caused you to begin to recognize that? Then And I know part of this story, but not the whole thing. What caused you to begin to recognize that, hey, maybe career coaching is something that I have been doing or I have a continued interest or that could be a full-time thing for me? Well, I'm glad that you asked that. As a musician, I found that I was doing more coaching as I was helping people win competitions and auditions and those kinds of things. And one day in the newspaper on, on one of our bike rides, there was an advertisement for a, a balancing coach. And I said, oh, I want to do that. I want to be a balancing coach. And I had always been a trusted advisor, even to my university professors, fellow musicians. And I thought, oh, yeah, let's look into this coaching thing. And the next step of the story, if we're ready for that, is in music, we have the philosophy that you choose music, but music also chooses you. And so when I started to explore coaching, I took coach training, all kinds of coach training. But what really chose me as a coach was career. And I'd love to talk more about that. But that's been my path. I really wanted to do coaching because I was already doing it. 
And then the career piece kind of fell into place. So tell me about that. Why do you feel that the part that chose you was, was career? Well, first of all, as a pianist, it's all about career. It's all about your last performance. It's performance focused. And the rubber met the road when a piano student's parents were a marketing company. And they were working for a company that was unfortunately going to be laying off 45 people. I got the call when I was at an art exhibit (laughs) and they said, can you do this for 45 people? And overnight, I created a website. I gathered resources and career coaching and I did the whole thing and got a single check for $23,000 for those 43 individuals. And even when I go back to that site right now, Scott, I did a great job. I had all the elements in place. Now, being what happened to your career and having gone through the PCC myself as a new career coach, I've just added so many new skills and expanded as well as my time in uh, outplacement. So career has chosen me in many ways. That's so funny. And I think that that story, I keep seeing similarities to that story for many other successful career coaches too. It's not just about it's not just about the one side of deciding, hey, I'm, I'm delving into this, but there are so many pieces that are there already, and just paying attention to those pieces allows that decision to be even better. So I appreciate you going into this. Here, here's what I'm curious about. Um, you and I have had many discussions about this, many of them you know, off the cuff or offhand, but I don't think we've ever publicly discussed it before. So what do you, what do you feel like qualifies someone to, to be a career coach? Well, um, it's, it's not, not what you think. think. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's totally okay. That's the answer I was expecting from you. <laughs> that's fantastic. I had two and a half years in outplacement. It was fast-paced career coaching, and there was a lot of tension in those conversations. It was probably some of the best training I had in career coaching because I had to be so sharp as a coach. The question is, you know, what makes me qualified to be a career coach? I look at who people, who they are, not what they do. I honor them for who they are, and especially it happened to to your career and through the PCC program, we are training to see who the person is through the lens of their strengths, and that is the key, not just focusing on their resume, not just focusing on what they've done before, but really honoring and seeing who they are. Did I answer the question? Yeah. I know you and I are very aligned in that view for many different reasons, but I am also curious you know, why you say that that is more important than many of the other things that could, you know, quote unquote, qualify someone to be, be a career coach. Help me understand why that's so important in your mind. You know, there's a little phrase out there that you and I have tossed around. It's pay attention to the tension. And in all the aspects of coaching that there are, When it comes down to it, a person's career seems to be the area that holds the most tension. At the same time, when they are not aligned with their strengths and values, it's almost a hidden tension that they can't quite describe. I have learned everything I need to know about 
resumes for the most part and career choices. And the truth of the matter is that new jobs are being created every day. Uh, and the strength of our program is that we help people create jobs for themselves and create job proposals. And I cannot even tell you the wealth of success and good experiences people are having when they go out and create their own job proposal and start working like they already have that job. And then they eventually get it. Just fabulous stories about that. So I don't have specific HR background, but I study people. And so this is a a very rewarding career for me. Mamie, let me rephrase the question. Where do you get the most out of it? What does that look like for you? When you think about your time as a coach, I mean, even right before we hit the record button, I know we were talking about how much you've, uh, you're continuing to enjoy it. And I was telling you how much I appreciate, you know, having, having you on the team because it, it's so aligned. However, for you personally, what are those enjoyment areas? What are those, those pieces? If you were to try and break them down and say, you know what, it's this and this and this, what are those for you? Actually, I'm having a new experience of absolute wonder. <laughs> and I have a couple clients that I've worked with uh, specifically through strengths. And one of them is a public speaker and a consultant for leaders and organizations. Not only have I had the opportunity to coach him through his strengths, I've had the opportunity to see him work. And I've had the opportunity to see him grow and step into his strengths. And that's something I don't get very often with clients. And it has given so much credibility and power to the work that I'm doing to see how I have had some input in empowering this individual and others through the lens of strengths and this work that we do. You know, that's, that's really interesting. I think that's actually one of my favorite things about coaching and, and also running this type of organization as well is once people really start to understand their strengths, and if you, even if we were to rephrase strengths and say, you know, the way that they can uniquely contribute to the world, and once they start to not just understand it, but then connect that to the real world and st- going out and using it, then coming back even years later, seeing mm-hmm. what has transpired since, <laughs> since that catalyst uh, you know, in many cases, you know, years ago, that has been one of the most fun parts for me and one of the most rewarding parts for me, too. So that's really interesting that, that you say that. I don't think you and I have talked specifically about that. Mm-hmm. Are there any other areas that, you know, when you think about becoming a career coach, you know, keeping in mind that so many people here are listening, trying to decide, hey, is this something that is right for me on a part time or full time basis to transition my career and do more of this? What is it for you that that keeps you going and makes it fulfilling for you? Well, the most obvious answer is my own analysis was this completely leverages my strength set. It's so weird. (laughs) I think that's a great answer. (laughs) There were things in my strength set I was not quite using to my fullest capability, even as a musician. And so when I started doing the self-work, of what do I contribute? It was like my brain was on fire. These are all the things that I can, I have the goods. I might not have all the experience. I might not have this nice, neat line towards this next step, 
But the strengths and, and the way it lights me up was, wow, this is a chance for me to insert my contribution in a really meaningful way. Very cool. And very appropriate, too. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the other side and not necessarily a bad side. And that's not what I mean when I say the other side. But what are some of the lesser known pieces or even the harder pieces? What are some of the harder things for you in your journey to become a career coach or as you have continued to be a career coach? Well, um, honestly, the toughest thing is the balance between being a pure coach and really holding the agenda of the client and being a career consultant. So especially through the PCC program and the other experiences I've had, I know what best practice is for finding a job. And I have my own little, you know, shtick about that. And I've learned a lot with working for Happen to Your Career. But there are best practices. So it's a balance of what is the internal calling, answering the call, mission, whatever it is of the individual. And then what's the best practice? It's balancing that so that I'm not always teaching, not always telling, but always have the client's agenda in mind, but not letting them go outside what's going to be the most efficient way to get there. <laughs> I think that really is something that is very challenging and just requires a massive amount of practice. I, I don't think that there's any other substitute for that because when you're learning to coach, you're very focused on the technical skills of coaching and not necessarily layering over the top of it. Like how do I balance all of these different roles that I need to play when I am engaged to help someone. So that's really interesting that you, you say that. You know, I can think of a time where uh, this one was probably about four years ago where um, where I was still doing a lot more coaching and in, in happened to your career. And this particular person uh, came to me and said something along the lines of, hey, you know, I know we've been working on, you know, defining what uh, defining what creates a, a wonderful role for me and a meaningful role for me and we're in the midst of this work and they said I actually have two job offers well technically one job offer and another one that was likely to turn into a job offer and they're like I really want help uh, you know negotiating through this and you know scripting the conversation and you know deciding whether I should uh, you know take this job versus the other job and that's great however the challenging conversation and the, the, what required me to bounce back and forth into some of those different roles like you're talking about you know, as the consultant or the strategist versus the straight coach was they didn't uh, they didn't necessarily know yet what created a great opportunity. So they could have accepted. We could have spent all this time on talking about, hey, how do I you know, accept one or how do I negotiate one against the other or all of these different pieces that they had asked for. And that wouldn't have been very useful. And that was a really hard call to make because for all intents and purposes, you know, I am going against what they're asking for and telling them, no, no, we can't do that. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that because it's the wrong thing for you. And I, I think every single time I'm up against that situation, even though I've done it over and over again, it's still a little bit hard, right? Uh, where you've got to say, no, 
<laughs> I know this is what you want. It is not the best thing for you. I'm holding your own interests above everything else that is probably, you know, seemingly right here. So I yeah. can fully appreciate that. In fact, as you bring that up, tough conversation a couple of weeks ago, client got just an amazing opportunity, you know, over the top opportunity. And I was the accountability partner as the career coach that said, let's go back to day one where we set out what was most important to you and how does this line up, go through this job description and the interview questions that have been answered by the organization. How is this lining up with your strengths? And great story. She goes, no, it's not going to line up. As she got off the phone saying, this is not the best fit for my goals, got an email that another project she was working on was asking her to do more. So there is a conversation with the universe that goes on in these uh, coaching sessions that I have seen over and over again when they say no to what does not align with what they really desire, something else appears. It, when you look at it outside or from an outside perspective, it looks so serendipitous. However, when you, you know, go in, and I'm always fascinated with this, like going in and tearing apart what actually happened to be able to allow the other pop opportunity to pop up and everything. It's, it's actually less serendipitous, but you know, by saying no, it really makes the space for other opportunities or even to shift your attention and uh, attention and time and bandwidth and energy and everything. Or, you know, one of those other seeds that was planted someplace else in the process pops up and grows at that, at that point. So I appreciate you pointing that out. I am also curious, you know, how, especially since it lines up so well with your strengths, how has it shaped your life differently to be in a, in a career coaching role? Well, as a new coach, you know, you want to coach everyone in the universe with or without permission. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so I learned early on, coach as many people as you possibly can with permission <laughs> to really hone your skills that uh, just like being a musician is an art that needs to be practiced. You don't just get a coaching certification and you're there. It takes practice. It takes a lot of practice to be able to stay in the moment with a client. And that is the magic of the, the coaching partnership. When you can learn and you're comfortable creating the environment for someone to step into that. How has it changed me? Um, you know, I've always been pretty interesting to talk with, but I think I'm a better listener. Some people might agree, but, you know, or disagree, but I have learned deep listening skills that have changed my life and my relationships. I honor people more clearly and I'm truly interested in their story. And uh, those are emerging skills still, but it's made my life a lot richer. I have more freedom. Uh, my, my practice is almost uh, completely virtual. When I get stuck on something, I just step out of my office and play the piano for a while, and the answer comes to me. And so I've created a lifestyle that includes travel and uh, managing my own schedule that I'm very proud of. You were just in New York not that long ago, too. <laughs> and then prior to that, two or three other places, if I recall as well. 
<laughs> so I love that you're living the things that are important to you. And um, I'm also curious if you can expand on what you mean by permission. Something you said earlier I think is very important. Uh, and I, I'm not sure everyone always hears that. Uh, you mentioned you know, coaching people with permission versus coaching people without permission. So tell, tell mm-hmm. me what you mean when you say that. I'm a big proponent of the ICF core competencies and the ethics and the principles because this is a profession. It is not a hobby. It's a profession. And so when you ask permission to coach, that is a part of being a professional coach. When you ask permission to challenge someone and people say, well, that's what you're here for. No, no, I'm still going to ask you if I can ask a challenging question. And that means that you have set up the partnership. I have many clients where I'm friends and I'm a coach and I do my best to say, I'd like to ask permission to ask a coaching question right now. And if this is not the right time, let's set up a time to do that. So what it does, it sets aside your role as a professional coach not just someone they come to for advice. And it sets up the intensity of the partnership, the commitment, and the idea that this is work in progress and everyone comes having done their work. I think that's so useful, particularly because when we're doing coaching, it is often through the lens of, I need help with my career in one way or another. I need to solve this problem in my career. However, so many people need help with drawing boundaries in many different ways. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the really cool things about how you describe asking permission is that you are role modeling drawing boundaries, even when it would be easier to just rush right into coaching or rush right into helping them with a particular area or rush right into asking the question. Mm -hmm. And I love it for that reason too, because that's the part that a lot of people don't think of is that so many people that um, want coaching and need coaching, when we start getting down to what they need most, it is help in changing different types of behaviors or help evolving themselves into a, a new and different type of person that they really want to be. And I think it's so cool that From the very beginning, it's setting the stage for role modeling that. Yeah, and at the same time, Scott, what's coming up for me is as a coach, my agenda is always in your best interest, that I honor your agenda and your best interest. I don't report to anyone else but you when we're together. And that is priceless priceless. I had a a client last week. I just love talking to you because you're the only one in my life that actually listens. (laughs) 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 And that's the commitment I make, you know, to the best of my ability. I had a, one of the first coaching trainings, this has probably been, I don't know, 15 plus years ago at this point. One of the first coaching training, formal coaching trainings that I went to, the person who was running it, said something that probably wasn't an original quote by her, but I I don't know who it was, and I always attribute it to her. She said something along the lines of, one of the best gifts that you can 
give people is to allow them to be truly heard or mm-hmm. a, a, for you, you know, being able to truly listen to someone because mm-hmm. it's such a rarity in both you know today's society and just in general. And I think that that's not only true of coaching, but it's true in communication, but this is particularly powerful, I think, in coaching. So when I've heard you talk about that in the past, that's what it always makes me think of as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. What would you recommend? Like if you you know, could go back in time and give yourself some advice when you were a newer coach, what would you recommend to people to really push them forward and become an incredible coach, become an amazing coach, add more value to the people that they are coaching. What would you recommend to somebody way back in that stage? Think of yourself, you know, seven, seven plus years ago. Probably three things here. The first is follow the natural path of your connections. There's all kinds of ways that you can get, you know, uh, committed to and wrapped up in social media. In the beginning of your coaching profession, not necessarily the best time. Follow the natural path of your connections. And I call it, and with a career clients as well, seek and be found. Instead of seek and find, seek and be found. In other words, put yourself out there in a way that allows people to find you. Put yourself in situations where you can be found and and have the opportunity to contribute a coaching conversation when someone gives you permission. And that, I think, is so effective where we think we have to plaster the world with our content and things like that. It's more about being, you know, having this very clear vision of who and how you want to serve in many ways um, and then allow people to come to you uh, because I live in the world of choice and so do you. And coaching is all about choice, about allowing that that coaching client to make their own choices. So I like to honor that in the process as well. The other thing is, honestly, I love coaching materials and things like that, but that's about 25% of my growth material. I go out into every space possible to find new material and ideas and resources. I love coaching materials. However, in my coach training, there were like 25 principles. Well, I didn't work so much on the coaching skills because I knew those, but I researched the original source of every one of those principles so that I knew the book it came from. I knew who that person was, what philosophy, what spiritual teaching, what leadership teaching that was about. So be expansive in what you read and what you learn. And now I have clients giving me titles of books all the time, and it's from all over the universe, you know, <laughs> that they're giving me these resources, and what a gift. What a gift. I think that is really valuable advice. I believe that you are one of the best career coaches that is out there. I have also observed yeah, that the people who are at the peak of their game, the people who are the best in a particular category are not those that are going and subscribing to everything that they're, they're not those that are only consuming 
and only learning from their profession. They're learning from a variety of sources and pulling pieces that are potentially you know, seemingly unrelated and pulling the commonalities and pulling the lessons from that into their profession. I see that again and again and again in studying top performers in every single area, not just coaching. So that's meant to both be a compliment and, and a lesson for those of you who are listening that if you really want to be one of the one of the best coaches and you really want to attract more people to work with you or continue to delight and surprise the people that you get the opportunity to work with then that's one of the ways that you have to think about developing yourself so that's awesome i very much appreciate it and i very much appreciate you making the time for yet another conversation and i'm sure at some point we'll have you back on on this this podcast this show thank you jennifer Thanks, Scott. Great to be with you. If you absolutely loved that conversation, one of the things Jennifer mentioned over and over again was PCC. To expand on that for you, that's our professional career coach program. And right now, for a very short period of time, we have open enrollment for the self-paced version of the professional career coach training and certification program, both tracks one and two, track one being you career coaching mastery, which dives into the technical skills, making you an amazing coach. And track two is all about how you can accelerate your business, ranging from how to sell coaching in an incredibly organic, delightful way, all the way to how to build systems and an infrastructure for marketing in your business to continue to attract clients that want to work with you and desire to have the type of help that you offer. If that's something you're interested in, you can go to happentoyourcareer.com and, and click on the link for career coaches and the self-paced will pop right up. Otherwise, just drop me an email personally, scott at happentoyourcareer.com and put PCC self-paced in the subject line and I'll connect you with my team to make sure that we can figure out if that program is right for you. Hey, thanks so much. Uh, we're coming up next week with another episode of the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to How to Become a Career Coach. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast player. For more resources, go to becomeacareercoach.com. Becoming a Career Coach.